0: Welcome to Planet Sleep. I'm your host, Josh. And in tonight's episode, I'm going to be taking you on a journey to one of the most diverse and beautiful ecosystems on planet Earth, the African savanna. Before we go, we need to prepare our minds, bodies, and souls for the adventure that awaits us. Take a moment to find somewhere relaxing to sit or lie down. Close your eyes and take some deep breaths in through the mouth and out through the nose. It's important to center ourselves and prepare our minds for the road ahead. So take a few moments to relax. Now that we're ready let the journey begin. Between the hot, arid landscapes of the subtropics, where chalky rock formations peak against the backdrop of a cloudless sky, between the damp, blossomy flora of the tropical rainforests, where heavy rainfall brings to life the verdant greenery of a jungle bursting of wildlife, the transitional land between these two biomes lies the heart the animal kingdom the savanna where rainforest and savanna meet rich vegetation merges with the muggy depths of the rainforest and where the subtropics and savanna meet dry plains coalesce with the parched lands beyond bounded by these mingling lands is the home of the world's most harmonious cycles of life. From gullies to valleys to plains, where cats claim monarchies, where ungulates keep eyes wide, where elephants recall the waterbeds of time long gone, a wide breadth of wildlife have adapted to the balanced, yet sometimes unforgiving lands of the African savanna. Also called the Tropical Grasslands, this savanna of five million square miles occupies roughly 40% of the entire African continent, residing near the tropical rainforest within the heart of Central Africa. And unlike its neighbor, the savannah opens up to vast tracts of grassland along its endless plains, plotted by countless hooves of migrating clades between brush and thicket, where the sunlight touches all. Only 5% of these lands are covered by the canopy of trees. The hot sun rules over the land, especially during the long and enduring dry season which can last seven months of the year. The average temperature of the dry season is a sweltering 96 degrees. And among a land so open to the sunlight, the cool shade of a tree is few and far between. Sparse pockets of tall vegetation loom in solitary outcroppings, a typical scene of the Savannah grasslands coupled with the low-lying shrubbery that feeds the hungry herbivores. Merciless months of heat and despair continue through the dry season, until the summer season brings reconciliation of heavy rainfall. However, these rains last no more than five months, if that. And given the title of Tropical Grasslands, this name might lend a bit of distrust to the actual temperament of the land year-round, often existing as a place of dry heat where animals risk their lives to find the nourishment of sparse water and green vegetation. Yet as always, the plants and animals have found ways to adapt to the climate of the savannah, and even with its grim cycle of death and suffering amidst the driest of seasons, all things contribute to the necessities of the ecosystem. Out in the long stretches of grass, the lines of wind pass through each blade. Twisting lines shift the tops of tall sprouts back and forth as a grazing herd of gazelle choose whatever viable grass remains. Round and round their mouths chomp on the dried grass. Their ears swivel around their heads at the sound of any snap twig or crinkle of grass. They quietly chew and lower their heads for a moment to pull another tuft of grass. They keep their eyes to the outside of their clay, as any unfamiliar movement could mean danger. All it would take for the gazelle to alert the entire herd, as well as any other neighbor, would be one bellowing call into the fields one bellowing call to save the lives of their friends and family. And luckily for now, although they keep their wits about them, there comes no ruffling from the tall grass. Peppered in sparse groupings beyond the clay, small blinks of the lone acacia trees disrupt an otherwise flush horizon. The animals sweep the landscape long and colored yellow by the overhead sun, beating down on the backs of all who graze. Beside one of the solitary outcroppings of acacias, a familiar silhouette shapes the scene. A tall, lanky giraffe, standing at almost 19 feet tall, stretches its patterned neck up to the tree's canopy. Indelible, the scene. A lone giraffe beside the acacia. The postcard picture you send home to mom. In harmony with the savanna itself, the giraffe is one of the few animals that can feed on this acacia tree. Where most wouldn't dare chomp the prickling thorn, the giraffe has no fear, for his mouth is near impervious to the defensive needles defensive and necessary these thorns typically turn away the hungry herbivores of the grasslands not only do its leaves reside high up in the air out of reach for most ambling wildlife of the plains but its thorns also add another round of defense all in an attempt to maintain its precious water like many plants the acacia stores much of its water within its leaves so for these already sparse trees to lose their leaves can be a death sentence. More so to add to the walls of this already heavily guarded tree, ants also send aid. In a symbiotic relationship between the tree and its tiny friends, the ants protect the leaves from herbivores and microbial pathogens, while the hollow thorns of the acacia lend a home to the ants. Yet the giraffe continues on, with his instincts of survival, possibly at the cost of another's. The acacia, laden with seed pots, white and yellow flowers, and thick, waxy leaves, looks perfectly ripe for the giraffe. His long, prehensile tongue near 20 inches long, snakes out from his mouth and maneuvers its way between the acacia thorns. Once it finds a suitable leaf, the tongue curls around its branch and tugs it from the tree. His strong, leathery mouth also adds protection from the thorns, and his sticky saliva has antiseptic properties to heal any damage the thorns might achieve to the inside of his mouth. These incredibly large and incredibly tall animals feed for 16 to 20 hours every day. If they are not chewing the leaves of an acacia tree, they're most likely traveling through the forests or plains to find wood. Males can weigh over 4,000 pounds, and they typically eat 30 pounds of food on an average day. Luckily for the giraffe, where many animals struggle to find sources of water in the hot African savanna, they hydrate themselves through the acacia leaves and rarely ever struggle to hydrate themselves with groundwater. And if they must find a source of water, they remember the risk of becoming victim to the silent crocodiles who lie in wait within the shallows. Predation, although an honest concern for the skittish herbivores of the savannah, is not always as successful as they might assume in their worst nightmares. The giraffe has many predators on its watch list, but due to its incredible strength and size, they are not always a victim to the hunt of leopards or lions. With their high-set, watchtower eyes, they see farther than most not only up in the twirling tree branches where a leopard may lie, but over the tufts of savanna grass where a lioness might prepare for an ambush. And with their two to four tons of mass, along with their ability to run at almost 40 miles per hour, their charge alone is enough to body check a lion right out of his kingdom. let alone the power of their most auspicious attribute, their neck. The giraffe can whip its neck towards assailants and club them with the knobby horns that rest at the top of their head. Yet their constant watch for predators is not necessarily for their own self-preservation, but for their young. Since the young giraffes have not yet acquired the strength of their parents, they are much more susceptible to the attacks of predators. As predators roam the land, their threats coincide with the lack of water. During the rainy season, a plentiful amount of water runs down from the African highlands, from rocky mountaintops to grassy hillsides. And these channels of water disperse through various waterfalls, rivers, and lakes within the savannah. One of the greatest contributors to the movement of water throughout this area is the Great Rift Valley. This massive geographical behemoth is made of a series of trenches that run from Lebanon down to southeast Africa. The Great Rift Valley acts as a general term for the countless rift and fault systems of the East African continent, and its northern neighbors. These tectonic plate boundaries, formed roughly 35 million years ago, continue to shift apart from one another. And one day, in the far, far future, when spaceships sail the cosmos and Jeff Bezos reigns supreme over his thriving colony on Mars, these rift valleys will stretch until they form a large body of water between them the eastern side of Africa will separate from the continent, and Kenya will slowly wave goodbye to Uganda. But for now, these faults and rifts are relatively close and will continue to disperse the rainwater across the land, from rigid rock formations down to rivers, gullies, and sandy basins. Rainwater is siphoned through a series of rocks as gravity drags it down the side of the rift. And by the time it reaches the bottom, it is clean and drinkable. And this is where you might find the butt naked baboon as it slurps at the end of the rainwater's path. The jagged geological formations create sanctuaries of hydration for the savanna wildlife. And soon, once news of an outpouring stream travels the grapevine, a troop of 50 baboons congregates at the edge of the basin, enjoying a nice drink, and maybe even a swim. The baboons of the African savannah, known for their bright pink bottoms, are highly social creatures. They live in organized hierarchies in groups that are called troops, and these troops can be up to 200 in number. Yet most are between 30 and 80 baboons. They are typically led by one dominant male who dictates where they go and what they eat. In groups, they are extremely loud, using 30 different types of vocalizations from screeching and screaming to grunting and barking. They are also one of the few types of animals who use posture and facial expressions to display emotion and intention. Further, they use physical greetings to communicate affection such as grooming, hugging, and nose-to-nose smooching. Much like humans, savannah baboons are promiscuous creatures who breed year round. They tend to have multiple partners to quench their never ending thirst and live in polyamorous social circles. The female baboon initiates mating by showing her butt to the hot to trot victor, a class act, while the victor, usually marked with a black eye and a chunk of hair missing, gets his reward after fighting off the other aggressive males, desperate to score. Much like humans, debauched and debased after a questionable night at the bar. After a pregnancy of 180 days, the female baboon gives birth to a single infant, as pink as the hind of his mother. And as he grows older, the young baboon will darken with age and eventually grow black fur, just like his parents And one day, he too will throw down and tussle with the other males of his troop in hopes of meeting a nice girl with a round rump. For now, the baboons circle a basin of rainwater and screech to each other in joy. They have found their haven of water, and they will soak it all in for as long as they can. For the wildlife during the rainy season, water is plentiful and far reaching. The wealth of rainwater extends to every corner of the savannah, and so too can the animals disperse at their leisure. Unbound by the restrictions of the dry season, their herds, clans, troops, and families have a much greater chance of finding shelter, food, and water. Yet this life of luxury will end as it always does every year. Where once the rainy season brought 15 to 25 inches of rain per month, the dry season arrives and brings no more than four inches of rain. This means the animals must resort to finding water wherever they can, even at the cost of confrontation and predation, since every animal will be seeking water as it quickly becomes the rarest resource of the region. The intersection of Central, South, and East Africa, within the heart of Zambia, there flows the long and winding Luangwa River. It carves through the soft soil of a rift valley, where the rich and prosperous wildlife pilgrimage for the most precious resource of the savannah. Its waters have given such incredible nourishment to the Luangwa Valley that the surrounding areas have been deemed a honeypot of wildlife. Green vegetation hugs the snaking edges of the riverbed. And amidst the arid grasslands of the dry season, wherever water and vegetation can be found, a vast concentration of wildlife seeks refuge. Antelope take shelter beneath the trees. And many predators take comfort in knowing this hot spot of water and food within the savanna means a congregation of prey is soon to follow. They will come in droves to seek the luxuries of Luangwa's oasis. Even during the dry season of the savanna, the residual waters of Luangwa Valley host the most verdant vegetation for miles. Near the great valley, a dried gully carves the variegated countryside, and although no water flows within its chasm, it has left behind seeds, leaves, and other spoils, grown by the water of seasons past. And for this, the herbivores of the nearby lands flock to its irresistible wonders. The antelopes prance along its grass. The baboons jump across its gully, and even Lillian's lovebird, Africa's smallest parrot, has flown to the land of Luangwa to eat the seeds and millet scattered from the flourishing plant life. Only five inches in height, these tiny birds hop along the ground searching for food. Their plume mostly consists of a bright green hue to match the desired plants they seek, and their heads glow a bright orange where at its center lies a large circular eye that seems to never blink. They have flown in a large flock for the same reason as the other animals. They have arrived at the dried gully for food as their small chirps of excitement fill the surrounding plains. Although they are classified as parrots, they cannot mimic voices like many others. But if they could, the one flying highest above the crowd, watching the masses engorge, would eventually yell out Does anyone else see that spotted prowler along the periphery? Or is that just me? Along the quiet outskirts of the herbivores' feeding room, there roams one lone leopard concealed by thicket and shrubbery or so she hopes she has claimed this territory the mile-long stretches around the dried gully as her own after the death of her predecessor and although she wanders as if she's lost she is in fact exactly where she needs to be her prospects remain clueless out grazing in the fertile lands, as expected. And she patrols the perimeter of her hunting grounds in the early morning to assure that no other leopards might attempt to annex her territory. To remind any others nearby of her dominance over the land, she lets out a deafening snarl that rings for miles. And if this wasn't enough, she leaves secretions along the edge of her territory. To truly mark the borders of her empire any leopard desperate enough to cross these borders will be met with violence these extremely solitary animals do not compromise when it comes to hunting for survival in the african savanna is as difficult for the fearsome leopard as it is for any other creature Their very survival depends on the prey that roams their hunting grounds. And due to the destruction of their habitat as well as the depletion of their prey from commercialized bushmeat trade over the last 20 years, the leopard has struggled to survive. Nearly 30% of their territories have disappeared and almost 60% of their prey's population have been hunted by humans. the protected lands of the Luangwa Valley, so rich in resources continues to be one of the most coveted territories for many leopards. There is a reason this 2,500 square mile valley is the single most populated region for the African leopard, as this is where they thrive Her hunger stings her belly. From the edge of the grazing fields, she drools at the thought of sinking her massive fangs into the neck of a trembling antelope. Her desperation leads her to strike while the all-seeing sun casts its light on every movement within the savannah. The least strategic time to hunt, but she needs to feast and soon out in the flourishing fields beside the gully. By her incessant hunger, she's led into the open where her favorite feast of antelope scatters the plains. With no cover from trees and less thicket to conceal her lengthy body, she crouches low and hopes for her prey's eyesight to betray them. Her beige coat peppered with black rosettes makes for suitable camouflage out in the dry grass beyond the gully. Yet given its permanence, might stand out once closer to the green shade of a hardier grassland. As she approaches the herd, her confidence grows. Preoccupied with their meal, she goes unnoticed by the antelope. She only needs to place herself within 15 feet or so of her target to get the jump. And one healthy meal of an adult antelope will be all she needs to sustain her for another week, maybe even two. For the neck, she takes her aim when in the blink of one marble black eye, the shriek of a baboon calls out into the plains. A sentry has perched himself in the branches of a nearby acacia, and his shrieks not only alert his brothers and sisters scrambling in the fields below, but every other animal in the vicinity of the dried gully. Lillian's lovebirds take off in a flash of bright green and orange. The baboons huddle together, knowing their power and numbers and the antelope sprints away alongside his herd. And although the leopard's first thought is to chase down her prey which was only a second ago within her starving grasp and even with her incredible sprinting speeds of 35 miles per hour, she conserves what little energy she has for a later attempt. This time she waits for darkness to settle in. A bright red sun sets beneath the plains, and for the many herbivores of the savannah, this signals the end of the day as the calls of the wild transmute into the chirping chorus of insects within the rustling grass. The impala herd has scattered and wandered and found a new field to rest in and sleep lightly with their young calves, resting inward towards the others. In the pitch black of night, their eyes aren't of much use. Only their sense of smell or an unfamiliar sound alerts them of any strangers nearby. And aside from the trill of bugs, the field seems silent. A trick of the leopard's soft paw pads. She moves without a sound, weaving between brush and thicket, not far from the herd. And like clockwork, she has found the Impalas within her territory as they fall asleep to the hum of a quiet night. Because of the leopard's adapted retinas, even within the black of night, they can see seven times better than the average human. And with this advantage, she hopes her upper hand leads to an easy meal. The Impala, here shuffling in the distance, About a stone's throw from where he sleeps, he raises his head and sniffs the cool night air. Skittish as he might be, not just any noise will uproot him from his bed, for he knows many animals roam the lands at night, and if he were to flee at the sound of any mysterious noise, he would never be able to sleep awake in the busy African savannah. The mysterious sound is only a harmless Jeanette swirling about and catching grasshoppers. Although her coat is almost identical to that of a leopard, the Jeanette is much smaller in size, about the length of a typical house cat with a long striped tail and a pointed fox-like muzzle. This Jeanette wouldn't dare hunt the Impala, so it seeks the small grasshoppers whose midnight calls make them an easy target in the dark. Although a brief distraction, the Impala can ignore the small Jeanette. Unknown to the Impala, the leopard has closed into his location by a few hundred feet. The leopard lets out a silent yawn and continues her stealthy approach. The failed hunting attempts of the day have tired her out. But by her diligence, she has faith that this nightly hunt will finally be one of success. Closer and closer, she drools from her mouth at the thought of the impala's fleshy hide. And with her pupils dilated, the fleshy hide of her fantasy appears before her, nestled in the tall grass, not 100 feet away. The chances of her nightly hunt are exceptional, with an estimated 95% of her prey being unable to detect her in the cloak of night. As she closes in to 40 feet, her paws are ready to pounce, her claws are ready to protract, and her teeth are ready to sink in the warm flesh of her meal. A sound calls at her back. A gentle but alarming sound not one of another creature, but one of Mother Nature. She has sent as treason against the leopard a change in wind. Betraying all of the leopard's strategic setup, this simple shift in wind has placed the leopard upwind to the herd of impalas beyond and carries her predatory scent straight to their noses. Within a heartbeat, the herd is up and gone, scattered into the fields of the savannah once again. While the leopard watches them bounce away into the darkness, she raises herself from the crouched position. Desperate, frustrated, and starving, she decides to plunge into the darkness after them, praying to catch even the lesser hide of a slower calf, unless, of course, Mother Nature betrays her again. As morning approaches, the cool night air dissipates under the breaching sun. A nomadic troop of herbivores clambers from an impoverished woodline, where they have ravaged the last of its edible vegetation for breakfast. In a band of ten, they walk together, heading into the plain, before them with their matriarch at the lead. These African elephants begin their daily excursion towards the memory of a bygone watering hole one that only the matriarch remembers from the days of her mother's leadership. It lies far beyond the acreage of grassland before them, so they must begin their journey in the early morning hours. Incredibly social animals that can live in herds of up to 200, the African elephant lives in groups strictly led by matriarchs, As the males of the herd, once they become of age, tend to live a solitary life on their own. The females divide into clans of no more than 10 and spend their time leading nomadic lives through the African wilderness, foraging for plants and berries in between their watering holes and tending for their young. Their formidable size intimidates many of their predators. Not only are they strong, but they are also smart. In fact, they have the largest brain in the world. Along with his intelligence, they have an incredible memory and quick thinking. They take each step through the grassland with deliberation and prowess as they walk on their toes with their young calves close beside them. The height of their shoulders stands at 11 feet and they weigh up to six tons and their diamond-structured tusks grow to about seven feet long. With this advantage of size and weaponry, even the most desperate of the savannahs' predators rarely attempt to take down an adult elephant. But as for their calves, they are not as large nor as strong as their mothers. So the adults of the clan must protect their vulnerable young from hyenas and lions, their most common predators. They make their start across the dry plains, as all take heed of their matriarch's direction. She will dictate when and where to eat, drink, and bathe, so at the cost of the clan's survival, her knowledge of the lands must be plentiful and precise. From lessons of her mother, and even her grandmother. This matriarch leads them to a familiar watering hole where family has used for many decades. They will travel far and wide across the grasslands of Africa, dispersing seeds and germinating plants as they relocate across the plains, contributing up to 30% of the vegetation in the ecosystems they travel through. Unfortunately for this clan, The watering hole of their matriarch's memory has dried upon their arrival. Due to climate change and the merciless dry season, what little water that had remained has now been soaked up by the sun. And the matriarch must trace her distant memories for the next closest source of water, or risk the potential death of her friends and family. How crucial the elephant benefits the African savanna ecosystem reveals itself even in death. The family members come to mourn the loss of their loved ones, and they perform a curious ritual of walking backward and touching the deceased with their back foot. After the ritual has concluded and the friends and family of the elephant have left, The carcass of the elephant then gives life to the ecosystem around it. Their massive bodies are treasure troves for the nearby wildlife. Their decomposition sustains the ground below. Insects feed and reproduce, and grass grows from the fertilized plot of land, and starving hyenas will come to feed for days at a time. as the body of the elephant begins its descent into the earth. From the thicket, a spotted hyena bounces from its hiding spot. Although primarily nocturnal, this hungry hyena, starved for days, has finally come to feed. This spotted hyena is primarily a hunter rather than a scavenger, yet the merciless climate of the dry season has turned this nocturnal hunter into a morning scavenger. Her bat-like ears poke straight into the sky in between them. The brown, scraggly mane runs from the top of her head to her back. Black spots pepper her light brown pelt, and her eyes reach a darker black than her spots. Her snout is that of a friendly dog's, yet the show of her jagged teeth and the shadow of her ribcage tell a desperate story as she bites into the elephant's stomach. She is starving and has been for days. So as a gift from the savannah, this elephant has been delivered to her and her clan. Where not far behind, they come from the dried thicket, one by one, to feed as well. Highly social creatures, similar to the structure of baboon troops, the hyena clans have up to 80 members. They live in matriarchal hierarchies where the females are larger than the males and they provide for their young without the help of the father. They are highly competitive with one another and several rounds of domination dictate who is higher up the social chain than others. They are often thought of as opportunist scavengers and terrifying grave robbers who laugh in the face of danger are voiced by whoopi goldberg and have pledged their allegiance to the seditious uncle scar yet these negative depictions some of which have dated all the way back to the third century have only harmed their survival just like any other predator across the savannah they are a crucial part of the ecosystem This contribution can be seen firsthand alongside the endangered vultures who can feed on the same elephant carcass as the hyenas. Yet only after the hyenas have already begun their feast, they must wait for that starving matriarch and her clan to bore an opening into the elephant since they are not strong enough to do it themselves. Over a matter of days, sometimes weeks, the hyenas and the vultures will come to feed on the elephant's cycles. The hyenas first, the vultures second. This one carcass alone can sustain a small ecosystem. When the vultures feed on the carcasses of the dead, they help to control the decomposing material which can spread illness and infection to other animals of the savannah, as well as humans. Yet due to human behavior, even though these carcasses deliver so much sustenance to the wildlife. Over half of all African species of vultures are endangered due to poisoning by locals, habitat destruction, and being killed by poachers. Since vultures are known to seek out prey who have already perished, the poachers of the savannah do not want to be caught near the elephant carcass they had recently poached. So they will lure the vultures with poisoned meat That will eventually kill them so their positions of illegal poaching aren't given away to authorities as is so often the case with the negative effects of humans antagonization of one animal species when one animal is affected the natural synchronization of the entire ecosystem is affected as well leading not only to the loss of one but potentially many species. Poaching continues to be a problem within the African savanna. And for the loss of elephants, whose species contribute to the intrinsic survival of the ecosystem itself, their loss means a loss for the entire African savanna. The thrill of ivory tusks carries on at the cost of the African ecosystem. Luckily, there are several organizations who continue their concerted effort against poaching by raising awareness, educating the locals, and training rangers to protect the wildlife. Life in the African savanna is a land of balance and forgiveness. Harsh are its dry seasons, and plentiful are its rainy seasons. These ecosystems are one of harmony. When one animal succeeds, even at the cost of another, the balance of the ecosystem remains in tune. From the long-tongued giraffe, the sharp-clawed cats, and the grazing gazelle, to the matriarchal tribes of the nomadic elephants As is the land of the African savanna, a transitional landscape between biomes of the harshest desert and the wettest rainforest. So too is the transitional existence of its hardy plants and its adaptive animals. A centerpiece of balance and equilibrium has set its boundaries right here among the African grasslands, the rifts and the valleys where the waters ebb and flow, where havens disappear in the dry season and reappear with the rain. As one elephant crosses the plain to find its ancestral drinking grounds, while another perishes at the benefit of the hyena, the vulture, and the earth below, all come together within one endless circle. And to disrupt this balance is to disrupt the balance of life itself. This concludes this episode of Planet Sleep. I hope that it provided you some relief and maybe even helped you transition into peaceful slump until next time I hope that you'll subscribe to Planet Sleep on Apple Podcasts YouTube and Spotify if you enjoy the show please leave it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts I would most appreciate it but the African Savannah truly represents the circle of life One that is all too familiar to all of us. But that's it for now. I'll catch you next time on our journey to planet sleep. Sleep easy, my friends.